a Savior um, who is marvelous and who is wonderful and has lavishes his love upon us. Um, as I've said before, uh, every year at our house we try to pick out a word that kind of our phrase that kind of sums up our year, or sums up our goal for the year, our prayers for the year, or, um, just something God's laid on our heart. Um, and this year our word was devoted, which has nothing to do with this statement. Um, but some friends of ours, uh, their um, little phrase is all is well. Um, and uh, it's good to serve a God who we can rest in the fact that no matter what happens, that all is well. Because we serve a big God and we serve a great God. Um, just as much as devoted has kind of permeated our household all as well has kind of permeated our household this year. Um, I had picked out these songs but then uh, running, the, running the race yesterday um, and just seeing people when it was hot, seeing people pass out like every few miles medical people coming in and hearing him getting done with the race and hearing that a 35 year old male had passed away running. Um, and then started getting calls saying, hey dude, are you okay? Like, how are you? Um, just kind of a, kind of put reality in perspective. We all know that we could leave this place today and we could, there's no promise that we'll make it home. Um, and you know, even thinking about a guy who showed up at a race just like me yesterday, um,
was paid on Calvary. That all is well. We thank you that uh, we get to experience you um, because of the blood and because of your grace. Good Lord, it's uh, apparent, more apparent uh, each and every day um, that life is life could be gone with a in a blink. Um, that no, no, we aren't promised tomorrow. But it also in that uh, becomes more clear uh, that you were God and you were in control. Um, and that in knowing you, uh, we can have a peace in any circumstance that even many times we can't comprehend. Today I pray that that peace uh, that passes all understanding will be present in this place in everyone's heart in everyone's life. I know that we all bring hurts, we all bring pain, we all bring baggage, we all bring who knows what into this place with us. But today I pray that we would cast that aside, um, that we would uh, learn to uh, cast our cares upon you, cast our burdens upon you because we know that you care for us. Um, Lord, I pray that uh, you would just help us just to worship you. Uh, you would help us just to long to uh, uh, serve you. That you would help us just to long to give you everything that we got. Uh, because you deserve it. Um, and you are worthy. Um, I pray that as we take up our tithes and offerings, uh, help us to be obediently, to give, give obediently, to give freely. Uh, to give, um, not because we have to, or to check a box off of this, but because we love you. We know that you call us to. Um, I pray that we would just worship you, our loving and gracious Savior. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <coughs> I'm always interested in the background of, of the songs, some of the, the older songs. And this is not 103 years ago, like the late.
John Wayne said, what's this I hear about you? Your life has changed and what's going on with you? And he said, well, he said, you know, it's no secret what God can do. John Wayne said, sounds like a song. Stuart Hammond sat down at the piano and in 17 minutes he wrote the song. <coughs> and it is no secret what God can do. You pray for me.
truth is, it's because us that are born again believers are not born again. It's a secret to the world because those of us who know what God can do are not telling them. We ought to be broadcasting all over the world. We ought not wait for Thanksgiving to be thankful every day. We ought to be thankful every day. Let the world know Jesus saved. I don't know if y'all with me this morning. Is this thing Yes, sir. Wake up, man. I know it's raining, dreary, a little cool. Y'all been complaining about how hot it is in November. It's cool this morning. Let's be thankful. And I want us to go to the end of Colossians. We're going to finish the book as we have preached through Paul's letter to the church of Colossae. I wanted to uh, share a few things with you. These are Paul's final parting words to the church of Colossae. We don't know that Paul ever communicated to this church again. We know that he did write at least the letters to Timothy, which was his last will and testament, but this was his last contact in writing to the church at Colossae. No doubt through this we'll see the church at Laodicea as well. And so I want to just simply look at the parting words of the Apostle Paul. And I thought about famous last words. We put a lot of weight in last words. Convicted murderer Thomas Grasso used his last words to complain about his last meal. He said, I did not get my SpaghettiOs. I got spaghetti and I want to press those. That's what he wasted his time on. He wasted his last words on that. Benjamin Franklin, that famous father of American history, Lay dying at the age of 84, his daughter told him to change position in bed so he could breathe more easily. Franklin's last words was, a dying man can do nothing easy. Famous drummer, Buddy Rich. Bruce, you'll appreciate this since you go hobnobbing with Rolling Stones keyboardist. Drummer Buddy Rich died after surgery in 1987, and as he was being prepared for surgery, a nurse asked him, is there anything you can't take? Rich replied, yeah, country music. <laughs> it is said that Harriet Tubman on her deathbed began to sing Swing Low, Sweet Cherry. President McKinley, as he lay dying from the assassin's bullet, cried out, nearer, my God, to thee. What are our parting words? If we were not to be here next week, what would people cling to? It's the last thing they heard us say. Some of the words that I've read and parting words are horrific. They're sad, very <coughs> depraved in the sinfulness that is mankind. Paul made it very clear what his intent and focus really was. He says, beginning in verse 15, Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea, Nymphus, and the church which is in the house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it would be read also in the church of Laodiceans. And that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry 
which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds, grace be with you. Amen. It's two things that Paul wanted them to grasp. Two things I want us to grasp in the closing of this letter. We know, and I've tried to express, opening words and closing words of any letter are very important. It gives us direction as we open a letter and the closing. The closing is the last thing. We, we, we're not going to write anymore. We're going to express and summarize. They teach you in writing papers and sermons that there are basically, basically three moves in any letter or any message. First of all, you begin by telling them what you're going to tell them. And then the second move is you tell them. And then in closing, you tell them what you just told them. That's the way you write letters. That's the right way you write stories. That's the way that you write sermons. I don't want you to have to cheat too bad, but that's the way you read books and figure out what it's all about. Usually when you get to about chapter 8, so how many ever chapters? Back up about three chapters. All that's fluff. Read the first feelings and you read the last feelings and you can pretty much know what's in the middle. Paul tells us there's some important things to know in his parting words. This is the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine as they hung, said, oh, I want it to go on, I want it to go on, I want it to continue. Life was drawing to a close for the Apostle Paul. And so he said, greet the brethren. Greet them who are in Laodicea. Greet those who are in Memphis and the church that is in his house. Now, when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. First of all, his parting words to these believers, to this church and to us today is, we must continue to pass on the word of God. We teach our kids all kinds of things. We want, I can remember, listen, I can remember so desperate wanting Ethan to get old enough that we could play pitch without the fear that I was going to hit him in the face with a ball. Now I fear he's going to hit me. But I can remember the first time I was able to, literally he put a glove on, we could go out in the yard and throw pitch. And we wish for those days and we look forward to those days and we pass along things and we talk about how we played ball, what our coaches said to us and how our parents did this and what we experienced when we were in school. We talk about all of those things, but the greatest thing we can do, listen to me, church, parents, adults, teachers, the greatest thing you can leave others, the depth and the truth of God's Word. God's Word matters. No image. Y'all believe God's Word matters? Yes. It's God's Word that tells you that you're a sinner. Wretched, vile, filthy, unclean. But He says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He tells us that He loves us so much that He gave His only begotten Son. And He tells us, Behold! 
as believers, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed, just opens heaven and poured out on them. He tells us about great miracles and tells us that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, that greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. God's Word teaches us that through the Spirit of God and in His power, we're more than conquerors. He tells us this is not all there is, but there's a city not made with earthly hands. He tells us there's a city called glory place where Jesus, the Son of God, sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Listen, we must pass on the Word. I've got several guns, and I've got pocket knives, and I've got little trinkets along the way. And at one time, I got into collecting baseball cards, and so I've got piles and piles of baseball cards. One day, I'm going to leave all that. Let them fight them. Uh, no, they're not going to fight them. But it'll be split up if they survive me. But the greatest thing, the greatest thing I can leave my children is not my preaching Bibles, even though I hope that would mean something to them. And looking at the notes and saying, my father stood and preached from God's Word out of his Bible. I've got my grandfather's Bible. I've got, uh, I'll get my parents' Bible. I've already put that over in. The greatest thing is the message that we live every day, the parting words that we ought to be preaching God's Word and sharing the truth. Listen, we ought to pass on the Word to places that need it. Where, where, where in the world do we know needs Jesus? Everywhere. Right? Now see, that sounds good. Everywhere. Well, we know that's true, and I know your intent. But it is so easy to say everywhere that we don't send it out anywhere. And so we must get specific about passing on the Word of God. We must take it to places that need it. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 and 15 says it this way. And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith, saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I would that thou wert hot or cold. Now why does that need to be read here. Because if we look back in Colossians, he said, let it be read in the church of the Laodiceans. Somewhere along the way, they quit really dwelling in the Word of God. They became lukewarm. What happens at each side if we become so focused on ourselves and if we study the ball games, we study time management, we study what is seeker sensitive and what makes us feel good, and we do not study the deep things of God, the, that which is the apostles' doctrine, what happens to us? Veterans, those of you who served our country, God bless you today. We've not done anything spectacular today. Last year we had a chaplain speak and we've got our flags here. And I want you to know if you served your country, you're one of my heroes. I mean that. 
But today is not your day. Today is Jesus' day. You'll get your day Wednesday. What I want us to understand, we don't, veterans don't matter apart from Jesus Christ. Huh? There's a lot of Muslim veterans. Would we want to honor them? But I honor American veterans, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Y'all know how patriotic I am. But today we've got to understand that no matter what the patriots do, no matter what our veterans do, if our country do not, does not give back to the word of the living God, then we're all going to fail. When we can fire assistant coaches because they express their faith by bending a knee and praying, church, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. When the world tells us we don't want to hear all that religion stuff in the business world and uh, you need to check all that at the door. You need to keep that separated. I want you once again to understand nowhere in the founding documents of America. It's not in the Declaration of Independence. It is not in the Constitution. And it's nowhere in the Bill of Rights does it ever say that there is to be a separation between church and state. It tells us we have a freedom of religion, not a freedom from religion. It is a letter from Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist Association teaching that government should never impede faith and religion. And they have reconstructed it and changed it to say America should never be bothered by religion. Church, bow up, stand up, speak out, and let us press on. By passing on the Word of God to places that need it. And I'm telling you, it's going to be the most uncomfortable places in your life. It's going to be the places that, that don't want to hear it. It's going to be in times that you unexpected. It's going to be on foreign soil and in your neighborhood. We must take the Word to where it needs to be. He said, take it to the place of the church of the latest season. But take it to the people who need it. Who needs the word of God? Self-willed, self-sufficient, self-deceived. The world has all kinds of self whatever. Sometimes I need to be reminded I'm one of them. And when I begin to read the word of God, it convicts my heart, changes my life then I can be used by God. But when I start projecting what I think, what I want, rather than what God's Word saith, thus saith the Lord, it does not matter and it will not last. I love all of you. I do. Some of you are brilliant. Your education and the things that you know, just, it's amazing how quick you can grasp subjects and things like that. But I'm here to tell you, your opinions mean nothing when it comes to the Word of God. Because the Bible is very clear that His ways are not our way. And sometimes we get all self-righteous and self we think we've got a special handle on God. That's what Paul had been telling them over these last verses. You cannot have a special knowledge. You cannot ascend to a special place that nobody else can. That's Gnosticism. 
You can't match world religion and spirituality. It's by Jesus alone. When we trust him, he'll give us what we need. Amen? Amen. Billy Graham, 97 years old. 97 years old. Still making a bigger impact homebound than many of us are making outside in the world every day. Still reaching people for the gospel with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you know what he did when he preached all those years? He got up and simply said, Jesus died for your sins, and if you will come and trust him, he'll save you. He told them that in Africa. He told them that in Los Angeles. He told them that in Romania. He told them around the world. And through his preaching, millions have been saved. Church, we just need to tell people Jesus loves them. Jesus can change their lives. Listen. Church, too often people know what we're against. They don't know what we're for. You know, the whole thing about the difference between Methodists and Baptists knowing each other, speaking in elixir, don't tell me that joke in my presence again because I'm going to make you look like a fool. I'm sick of hearing you. Because all Baptists don't drink. I, you won't ever see me in the liquor store. So it's offensive to me. Don't ever say it to me again. If you've ever said it to me, it's not funny. Any more than telling me I only work one day a week, it's funny. I, it's funny the first 12 or 18 times. But look now, keep pressing my buttons, I'm going to tell one about you. Here's the truth. We need to get back to what really matters. That is, Jesus Christ loves us. Stop trying to be funny with the gospel. Just tell people Jesus. What's funny about watching the Son of God die on the cross? I remember a time when there was a laughing revival. What's funny about a world dying and going to hell? Can y'all tell me? The Bible speaks of the lunatics in the Bible as those who were laughing crazy. Just lost control. We need to be imparting scripture. We need to be telling people, thus saith the Lord. So this is awful heavy for the last few verses of the book. Paul was leaving. Look, Paul was giving them everything he wanted to try to cram into this last minute, but it was time. The Spirit said, shut it down. If there's going to be a time, God said, that's it. It's over. Will we have imparted? Will we have done all we can do? Because I'm telling you, we think we're all in control. But it may come at such an abrupt time that we don't realize. Those of you who are control freaks, get over yourself. Because I'm telling you, that's not the way God works. It was a beautiful, crisp Sunday morning when it looked like everything was going great. In paradise, when all of a sudden the bombs started dropping in Hawaii, of all places. Wasn't New York, wasn't San Francisco, wasn't Kansas City, wasn't Miami, it was Hawaii, of all places. Changed the scope of the world forever. It was in the land that flows with milk and honey that we saw the Son of the living God come, live without sin, die on the cross, nailed. As a man cursed, cursed for our transgression, stretched between heaven and earth. It's not at the most opportune time. Listen, we need to pass on the word from the places that have heard. 
He said in verse 16 that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. to see. So he said, don't just read my epistle to them. Read the one that comes from that church. Read from, number one, experience. Share the word of God from your experience. Is there a scripture that means something special to you? Huh? My wife's doing it. I remember one that was very special to her when we were trying to have kids. Pray and seek the Lord and trust Him in the desires of your heart. Y'all got anything like that? Anybody? Huh? I know the point, Jeremiah 29 11. Really? Is this all we've got? This is, I mean, there's 1189 chapters, 66 books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament, four Gospels, the Prophets, the Psalms. We've got the Minor Prophets, the Major Prophets, and we don't know any scripture. How are we going to tell the world Jesus saved if we don't know what Jesus said? We must know God's word. That's why Sunday school is so important. That's why small groups is important. That's why devotions is important. That's why quiet time is important. Put your nose in this book and get it out of the things of the world. And God will change your life. But as long as you keep sitting on your hand, mad at me for the way I'm preaching this morning, upset with the truth of God's word, you will continue without the experiential power of God speaking through His Word. This Word has never changed. And it's not going to. It's not going to change the fictional child's homosexual lifestyle. Or family member's lifestyle. It's not going to change. It's not going to change because somebody's been through a divorce or had an abortion. It's not going to change. It's not going to change because... You, you, you want to have an affair. It's not going to change to fit your life. It's not going to change because you want to cheat, lie, and make more money. It's not going to change because you want to work, get ahead, and play more, not be faithful, not serve, not tell anybody about you. It's never going to change. It's always going to be the same. It's not going to change to fit our ideas. It's not going to fit our science. It's not going to fit our politics. It's not going to fit the United States of America. It's not going to fit. Because it was never meant to fit in. The world was meant to conform to this. Not the other way around. I'm telling you now, I'm a Georgia Baptist, Southern Baptist, because I believe in our denomination. And I believe, now all, all Georgia Baptists and all Southern Baptists don't believe like these side. Y'all understand that, right? I mean, come on now. Let, let's... I'm going to the Georgia Baptist Convention leaving this afternoon. There's some things I don't agree with, but I still believe we're the closest thing. You say, well, that's awful arrogant. Well, then you need to go join whichever one you think is. Because if you're not going to the one you think is the closest thing to your then that's just kind of weak. If you could decide between the winning team and losing team, you say, I'd, rather, I'd just rather lose. That ain't very bright. 
But I believe that we teach the script. I believe in the Baptist faith and message. I believe in being non-credal. I believe in being iconoclastic. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. I believe in the Holy Spirit that is the third person of the Trinity. I do believe in the inerrancy, infallibility of God's Word, plenary, inspiration. I believe that Jesus lived without sin. I believe in a virgin birth. I believe Jesus literally died. I believe He's very God and very God. I believe that He is resurrected, ascended, and sitting at the right hand of the Father, waiting on me and attending to me. Church, it's not me. It's not Billy Graham. It's not Adrian Rogers. It's not Podunk Preacher preaching the 12 this morning. It is the Word of God being preached. We need to impart God's Word to a world that so desperately needs it. Ask The Word of God. He left us the Word of God. He clung to the Word of God. He followed the Word of God. He put His life in the hands of the Word of God. We need to pass on the Word. But then we need to press on in the way. He said in verse 17, Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry. Take heed. To the ministry. It literally means to guard it. Protect it. Pay close attention to the ministry. Which you have received in the Lord. That you may fulfill it. You know what take heed means? And I put it in modern. Modern. A modern situation. I imagine over the last several weeks. Kirby Smart didn't worry about just other teams and other things. I believe that he showed his linebackers and his DBs and his, his linemen one guy and one guy only, Leonard Fournette. He said, you see that guy right there? He's going to win. If he wins the Heisman Trophy, he's going to be on your back. Now study everything he does. Watch his eyes. Watch the way he turns his hip. Read his motions. Read what he does. And he ended up last night, they were prepared. They took heed to the guy who was the front runner for the Heisman Trophy. And they probably took it away from him last night. He has 30-something yards on 19 carries. And, and uh, uh, 19 of those yards was on one. 18 carries, he had like 12 yards. I mean, absolutely shut them down. I don't care about the team. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm telling you is there were guys that sit in a, a room with film hour upon hour watching the team that they despise. They're having to watch study, prepare, take heed, watch, and be ready. Church, I know sometimes it's very uncomfortable, but we need to take heed. We need to guard ourselves in the way. Remember, we need to take heed to remember, first of all, our ministry. To take heed to the ministry. What is your ministry? What is ministry? Anybody know what ministry is? What? Service. Serving others, right? It's not self-serve. It's not driving through the wind and get you a two apple pies for a dollar. Three or four times a week. No, just because you want to. Even though it's not a bad idea. 
It's not about what you can have. It's not about sitting down and serving yourself by what you punch up and what you do. No, it's about what can I do for others. And we must take heed to the ministry. We must beware of things that would get in the way of doing real ministry. And we must beware of keeping ourselves from doing what God has called us to do. We need to remember to guard our ministry. He said, what's our ministry? Loving God, loving God. All right. Now, what's our ministry? Based on that scripture, Matthew 22, 37, where, where are we at? Eastside, where at? Claxton, where at? Georgia, Evans County, Georgia Baptist, Southern Baptist, Tattle Evans Baptist. All right. So all of that determines our ministry. All right. Now, some go to Pinewood, some go to Claxton. Some go to Georgia Southern, some go to East Georgia, some go to Ogeechee, some go to Armstrong, some work in Savannah, some work in Statesboro, some work in Glenville, some work in Reedsville, some work in Hinesville, some work in Manor. So everywhere you go is where our ministry is at. Everywhere. Everywhere. Anywhere. It's where, but I can tell you where it's not. It's not sitting at home on our hands just hoping everything will feel good. There's a difference in our prayer life and our ministry life. We pray and we're empowered and we can pray in our ministry life, but you can't pray and then ministry be going on out there. You can't just give a bunch of money to Lottie Moon, even though I hope you do, and think that you have succeeded in being mission minded. Because you still have your own ministry. I can't do it. You see, you run with folks, I don't run with them. You have a circle of influence. I don't have. I try to teach these students all the time. You have your own Jerusalem to reach with the gospel. I can't reach. You're there. You're their peer. Tell them about Jesus. Love on them. Show them who Jesus Christ is. We must take heed to our personal ministry. Personally, Maverick ministry. The Brady's father, wife, Daughter, son, our ministry. Member at Eastside, our ministry. Georgia Baptist Convention, our ministry. Southern Baptist Convention, our ministry. As we work together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, if we would wake up, wise up, pay up, and show up, imagine what God would do in our lives. We would just take heed to our ministry. But then we need to take heed to the master. He said, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. I don't want to break your heart too often bad, but here's the truth. Sometimes your natural talents is not your spiritual gift. Sometimes I've had people come and say, why won't so-and-so teach? They're still teachers. Just because they're still teaching doesn't mean that's God's giftedness for their life. They may pay the bills with that, but that may not be. They may need to be behind the scenes. I don't know what God's calling on their life is. But I pray they'll be found faithful in it. And a lot of times, God uses that because He gives us our natural ability just as much as our spiritual giftedness. But we need to understand that whatever we do, whatever we say, and however we do it, it's a gift from God. He said, that which you've received from the Lord. You didn't do it. The danger is sometimes we want to claim victory. 
Now, I'm going to the Georgia Baptist Convention. You know, I'm going to do a Georgia Baptist pastor skit for just saying, you know, I'm just making this up as I go, but I think you'll find this is pretty, pretty realistic. So while I come strolling in tomorrow at Rogers Creek Baptist Church, I, I, I look across the lobby and I see two guys walk up and say, Hey, man, what's going on? I didn't see you. And, and if they can't remember their name, they say, Hey, brother. <laughs> we always call each other brother. Because, I mean, that's a missed up. But we're like, dude, what's his name? I don't know. I can't remember. But they're like, hey, man, how's it going? Now, now didn't you move Didn't you move, move up there to Hay Hiram? Didn't you take that little church up there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you still in New Harley? Yeah, yeah. Well, how's it going? Oh, man, it's, it's going good. And they start. Because, listen, the sad truth is the average... Georgia Baptist Church is either plateaued, plateaued, or declined. So they're trying to figure out a spiritual way to lie. Because they're wanting, and, and but now here's where it gets good. One of them churches really doing well. They've been there a year, and people hadn't figured out that he's really a doofus. And that it's all the power of God. All of us are. I'm a doofus now. If anything ever good happens here, be all glory to God because I'm not that smart. I'm not creative. I'm not, listen, it's all the glory of God. But listen, what does the Bible say? He chose the foolish to confound the wise. And so they start posturing. And they're trying to sound spiritual as they brag about, well, glory to God, we've grown exponentially. Man, we've had to add seven units, and we've gone to three morning services, and blah, blah, blah. And the other guy is smiling, but he said, I'd like to just punch you out. <laughs> Won't you do No. And that's all great. I, I wish every church could say that. I do. But it becomes about us. Look at me. They will nominate presidents this week. They'll nominate vice presidents. And they'll get up. They're limited. Thank the Lord. I wish they'd limit them to 18 seconds. You have 18 seconds to introduce and make your nomination. Because they give them three to five minutes. And they stand up there and they begin to tell us what this man has done. This man has gone to this church and he has grown the church by 37%. Their CD giving has gone up 12%. They have increased their Hollywood giving. They have added seven new Sunday school rooms in their time. Well, oh, I don't care. I don't care. Is it God's man? Does God want him to be our vice president? Does God want him to be a president? And he didn't do any of it. Because I'm going to tell you something. He's going to die, or he's going to get mad, or they're going to get mad, and he ain't going to be their pastor forevermore. There'll be somebody else up there. Right? They've been a few before him. Me. At each side. Y'all, huh? I start naming a bunch of them. I'm sure they were all great guys. Some of them didn't think so much of them. I got news for them. They didn't think much of you either. <laughs> I'm being honest with you today. The bottom line is what Paul is saying. It comes down to two things. We need to pass on the word, and we need to press on in the way. Remember, it's not our entrance here. Remember, he's the master. We're not. Remember our motivation. Take heed. He says fulfill. You know what that means, fulfill? It means fill it up. I got in trouble not filling my truck up. I'd sneak in 
You know, I wait that thing clicked on the light. That light says, hey, you got 20 miles. Until it started running out before the light even come on. Sucking up trash or something because I've done it so long. I don't do that anymore. I really don't. Now it's a blessing to pull up and fill that thing up and know I'm not going to run up gas. When's the last time you just come and say, God, I need to be filled up? I'm, I'm, my life's been on for a while. You've been warning me that I'm running on empty, God. I need a touch. I need you to fill me up. There's one indwelling. If you're born again, you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we run laying down close to you. Sucking air, there's no fuel. There's ignition, but there's no fuel. We need to come and be filled today. Take heed of your motivation. He said, this salutation by my old man, Paul. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Listen, we need to remember as we press on in the way others' dedication. Hebrews 11 shows us great things can happen when people trust God. Right? Abraham, Moses, Gideon, Rahab, Samson, on and on and on. The Hall of Faith, we need to press on remembering others' dedication. By all accounts and purposes, with the Parkinson's disease, Billy Graham should have never lived into the 90s. If you just go by the, the, by the progression of age, the, the uh, life expectancy in America, he should have died at the age of 80 or 81. And he's 97 years old. They're still sending out videos. We watched one not too many months ago that he's done in the last year and a half. And I've got more stuff in my office. They're still sending that stuff out. And you say, well, Franklin's running off. Yeah, he is. But don't you think for a second Franklin's not still going in there with his father and his daddy is still saying, Franklin, do it this way. That man's still praying, still seeking God. We need to remember others' dedication. He said, I've written this by my own hand. Remember my chains. This is his determination. Even in the midst of bondage, and bound up by the things the world's throwing at you when you're hurting and going through. Listen, our youth sat across the table Tuesday night from a group of our senior adults, four of which I had preached funerals for their spouses. I was so humbled because I watched them minister to our youth. And if you're a senior adult and you miss that, or if you're a youth and you miss that, I understand the rain goes to, but look, you better do it next time because you missed greatest blessing of the world. And they started to share with one another. And just, some could run and say, I'm hurting, I've lost my spouse, I've lost my loved one, I've had a bad day at school, I'm not going! I'm not going to share or talk anybody or do anything! But the Bible says that in our chains we can comfort others with the comfort we've received. You can lift people up by the things God has lifted you through. Problem is you just don't let God have it. Listen, Paul said, I'm in chains, I'm locked up, but I want you to see God can receive glory through it. And through others' death, declaration, he said, grace be with you, church. The Apostle Paul wrote to you 2,000 years ago by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and said these words, grace be unto you. Are you willing to come accept what Paul is offering through the power of the living God? Grace.
grace. God's grace. Greater than all of our sin. God's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's merciful grace. Do we need to be empowered with God's word? Absolutely. Do we need to be pressing on? Absolutely. Then we need to be praying. God use us that way as they come to the instruments right now. We just need to come and say, God, use us. Make us. Lord, may my parting words one day when they talk about my life, they look back. I don't want something silly said. I don't want just about joking and things. I want them to know that my life mattered for the Lord. That it was kingdom purpose. That it was aimed at reaching lost people for Jesus. What is your purpose? What is your ministry? What is your goal? What are your parting words of the world? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. Come trust Him. Come and pray, God, I can't do it without you. Lord, I need your words in my life. I believe in your word. I believe what you said. And God, I come and confess it. Come, I'll pray with you. Whatever you need to do, stand and come. Stand and come. Without me pleading, when peace like a river attended my way, when sorrows like sea billows So oh.
My best friend Mark said, whatever you do, he said, I don't care what you say at my funeral. If I, if I go before you do, he said, the one thing you better do, he said, I want the world to know it is well with my soul. You play that song if you preach my funeral. I can do that. Then we're going to go with you. 